0: KYW Radio original podcasts. This is The Rundown for Tuesday, October 26th, 2021. This is Philadelphia's local news podcast. I'm Jay Scott Smith. Today here on The Rundown, we talk about Morgan McCaffrey's tragic death at the hands of her ex-boyfriend. And it's brought the issue of abusive relationships close to home, especially close for KYW Radio anchor Michelle Durham who graduated from the same high school as Morgan, and Michelle's daughter went there herself. Domestic
1: violence, this just affects everyone. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your race. It just affects you, just like drugs and alcohol and bullying can affect any one of us at any time in our lives. So does domestic violence, and it's a, so much more prevalent in society than we know and that we talk about.
0: Michelle spoke with Morgan's mother, Kathy McCaffrey, about how she's carrying on Morgan's legacy through a foundation called Morgan's Light. Now, Michelle joined us today to talk about this conversation and what it meant to her. And Sabrina, just hearing about this directly from Michelle was really emotional.
2: Hearing it from Michelle was emotional. So I can only imagine what it was like to be talking to Kathy about such a tragic event. And it's, it's just something you You don't think about. You'd never think this is going to happen to you or to your daughter or to someone you know. And then it does. It can be a surprise when when you find out what they were going through.
3: Sabrina, I think that's one of the most important messages of this story that something like an abusive relationship does not discriminate. And also this notion of how Morgan's light is going to now hopefully help teens deal with abusive relationships moving forward. I mean, imagine how difficult it is for anyone who's in an abusive relationship to talk about it and try and escape and get out of it, but especially the teen population, which is obviously very, very vulnerable. This is obviously a difficult topic,
0: and we will certainly get to that on today's episode of The Rundown. Again, I'm Jay Scott Smith. That's Brian Seltzer and Sabrina boyd Circa. We opened this Tuesday talking about the trial of City Councilman Bobby Heenan, and labor leader John Doherty. it picked up yesterday down at the federal courthouse week four of this possibly five or six week trial now. And a lot of the focus, Sabrina, was on a 2015 deal that was made with the city and Comcast.
2: Yeah, it's a week four. Uh, we knew this was going to be a long trial, but it is week four. Feels like this is just kind of eternal at this point. But prosecutors have been saying that Heenan was taking action on Dougherty's behalf in this franchise agreement with Comcast back in 2015. Pat Loeb is reporting on this. She's covering all of the details of the trial for us, and she really explains it best.
1: John Doherty made a lot of phone calls about Comcast in 2015 as the deadline for a new franchise agreement approached. As the defense joked, most of those calls started with yo. Doherty can be heard trying to persuade Heenan, who was head of the council committee overseeing the franchise agreement, to delay passage as leverage to get the cable giant to promise to use union labor for certain jobs. Prosecutors allege Heenan complied because Doherty had bribed him by keeping him on the electrician's union payroll. But the defense pointed out that Doherty was talking to a lot of people about the matter.
2: I don't have strong opinions about this. I'm just sort of an observer to this whole trial. I think it's fascinating. But Comcast is a huge deal. They Apparently, they threatened to move their headquarters out of Philadelphia in this whole process. So that is a pretty pretty big thing to have your hands
3: in. Do you guys feel like we've had a bombshell drop yet in this case? I feel like there's been some interesting drips and drabs, but – in watching from afar and reading up on it and listening to Pat's reporting, I'm not sure if there's been a huge bombshell yet. What do you guys think? I think we're getting to
0: know a lot more about the inner workings of how deals are made in the city government. That, it, the idea of there being a bombshell there, and it just feels like we're kind of waiting on something. But I've actually gotten a lot out of just learning about how a lot of this works, how really some of these deals getting cut in the city, it really does work the way you think it does when it comes to some of the uh, – this doesn't seem like it's legal, but it is. It's a little – they're right on that borderline of this thing being a real problem, but they're almost masterfully at times handling some of these deals.
2: Yeah, I don't think there have been any bombshells either, and I think its it sounds like this is all kind of stuff that everyone knew, but it wasn't officially proven, and that's what the trial is for is to officially prove what everyone already
3: knew. It's one of those, have you washed your jeans yet? They're not clean, but maybe they're not quite dirty. It's somewhere, it's somewhere in the middle there. It's somewhere in the middle there. And when
0: we speak of elected officials, one week from today is Election Day. Across the river in New Jersey, there's a governor's race happening. It appears that apparently this thing is a little closer than maybe people figured it would be
3: yeah guys, six months ago it seemed like perhaps Phil Murphy, the Democrat, and the incumbent was squarely in control. But now Jack Chitterelli, the Republican candidate, is within single digits, as you said, Jay, a week out from election day and on a recent episode of one of our great pods, kyw News radio in depth, Matt Leon spoke with john weingart he 's a politics professor at Rutgers who shared his thoughts on what could be a key factor in deciding this race. Turnout is one question that if there's a low turnout, that could help generally pull off an upset. If nationally, President Biden looks to be in bad shape, maybe that could carry over into the state race in in a way that would uh, make more people less enthusiastic about voting for the Democratic candidate. I've done a lot of reading, guys, also on what 2021 in the election cycle could mean. Is there going to be hangover from some people because so much energy and effort was thrown into 2020 on both sides and everyone poured their energies into that, and then you have the midterms in 2022. Phil Murphy, it seems like the pandemic, that's what he's holding to. Cittarelli talking about a lot of tax stuff but, yeah, the New Jersey race is always important for governor. But it seems like this year, I would agree, Jay, it does seem like right now Murphy has some momentum.
0: Now, the only thing I know historically is Democratic incumbents, at least in the last 20, 30 years, have not done well. But Murphy seems like the best bet to get reelected as a Democrat for the first time in a long time. You, you mentioned the pandemic thing. That really raised his national profile.
2: He does seem to have a stronghold, and I would be surprised if he doesn't win. But at the same time, a lot of people are overlooking this election. It hasn't Even the governor's race hasn't been talked about that much. So, you know, just another reason, whichever side you want to vote for, go out and vote, vote early, do whatever it takes to get your opinion in there.
0: We come back to the city, and there's a quick update on what we talked about yesterday here on The Rundown the SEPTA negotiations with their largest labor union. And it appears they are making progress, but we don't have an agreement, at least not yet. We still got a few days before this deadline, Sabrina, but I think that at least we could be seeing some progress, maybe?
2: Yeah, the update isn't much of an update. They're making progress, they say. So we can still be a little bit hopeful that there won't be a strike. But SEPTA has posted a guide of what services will be available, where you can take a train. And it's mostly regional rail. But you can find the guide on SEPTA's website or, of course, our website, KYWnewsradio.com.
0: And before we close up these headlines, we got one really fun story here. Lincoln Financial Field, of course, is the home of the Eagles, who aren't exactly having the greatest season in the world right now. But Lincoln Financial Field isn't just thinking about the 2021 Eagles. They're thinking about the 2026 World Cup. And part of their pitch – get what I did there – is a digital interactive mural – that has gone up in Lincoln Financial Field, and there are ways people can be a part of it.
2: Yeah, so you can submit a photo. Um, They have a website, and again, go to our website. You can read the story, and, and then at the bottom, there's a link to where you can submit a photo, and it will display. It's almost one of those, you know, like when you're at a concert and you tweet, with a hashtag and then it rotates through on the, on the mural that's displaying in the field. It's a digital mural, so it updates regularly. They're working with Mural Arts Philadelphia on this, and our wonderful reporter Justin Udo talked with the director of Mural Arts, Jane Golden.
1: I hope that they see that Philadelphia is a gritty, spunky, energetic, wonderful, diverse,
2: rich city, and there's no place like Philadelphia. So much love for Philadelphia. I love her energy there. But at the same time, I've got to ask you two because you are sports fans. My instinct is any big event – like when I lived in Boston, they were talking about trying to get the Olympics to come to Boston and I was like, no, absolutely not. I don't want that many people. I don't want the focus on my city. Let Just like let me live my life. But what do you think about the World Cup coming to Philadelphia?
3: I think that World Cup – international events you're drawing people from all over where if you're trying to create a tour of america for yourself philadelphia is absolutely a stop you would want to make on that list food history i say for a few matches if it's not the whole event yes
0: all for it i know with world cup it's spread out in different spots so you know you come in play a couple games people get to check out the sights and the sounds it it doesn't sound like it would be a bad move.
2: Yeah, right. I guess I guess I could handle it for a couple days or a week for the sake of like getting, getting Philadelphia out there. It, I feel like it's an overlooked city. It's so close to New York. Everyone loves New York. So if people learned more about how great Philadelphia is, I can see the benefits.
3: Airbnb your place. There's something in it for you too, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> you can find all these
0: stories that we've talked about here on our website, kywnewsradio.com. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith. So by now, you've probably heard the story Mm -hmm. of Morgan McCaffrey, an 18-year-old who was killed by her ex-boyfriend in Abington in July of last year. Now, she went to Nazareth Academy, which is where KYW News Radio's anchor, Michelle Durham, who's my co-anchor on Philadelphia's Afternoon News, Michelle graduated from there. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, we have her here on... Rundown, Michelle. It's good to have you in here.
4: It is good to be here. I'm sorry for the reason why, but I, I'm very happy to be
0: here. I, I was going to actually say that of all the reasons to have had you in here, I, I, it's not not the best reason, but you did have an opportunity to speak with Morgan's mother, Kathy. I did. Now, first off, how did you manage to get connected with her?
4: Well, it's very interesting because. I'm kind of. I always tease myself as the Nazareth graduate that never left the school, so I'm always back at the school giving speeches or you know motivating the girls or giving career advice. And I actually saw Morgan. Uh, she was a freshman. That was the last speech I gave at the school, and she was sitting with all the freshmen in the school. My daughter was a sophomore at the time, and I gave an address to the entire student body just about some of my reporting experiences here at KYW, and so. I had the opportunity to see Morgan while she was alive and that is something that I share it's a connection I share with with Kathy McCaffrey. I've reached out to the family and it's a small Northeast Philadelphia world that we live in and I was able to get connected with um, Morgan's godmother Danine and then Kathy and just you know just over time talked with them about you know some of their goals as they approach the trial and then post trial what they'd like to do with Morgan's legacy.
0: When you spoke with Kathy, how did she describe Morgan?
4: A ball of energy. She adopted Morgan uh, from Guatemala. And she said from the minute she brought that child home, that child was constantly on the go. Very social, always
1: doing something, had a whole group of friends. She just had this special little spark about her. And she just had a lot of energy. She was always on the go. She's very social.
4: And my daughter and others can remember Morgan going up and down the hallways of Nazareth, like constantly surrounded by, you know, a group of girls and, and very popular and just very energetic. And she
1: devoted a lot of her time to charitable functions as well. My family also runs another charity uh, for the Northeast Philadelphia, in which they provide over 600 plus families throughout the um northeast Philadelphia area and surrounding suburbs with with meals for Thanksgiving. And then at Christmas, they provide Christmas gifts for children. Um, And she did that every year from I don't know what time in grade school, but very early on in grade school, she was doing that every year with my family. She used some of her own money to
4: develop care packages during the pandemic, and she dropped them off to the nurses at Abington Hospital. So just some of the things that uh, Morgan did while she was here.
0: We fast forward now, and unfortunately, Morgan has been killed. Yeah. What was it like to talk to Kathy after Morgan was killed?
4: I spoke with her for the first time to do this interview. And, Jay, it's it's the rare time as a reporter that we're completely nonplussed. I turned on the tape and I said to Kathy, I don't know what to say to you. I don't know what to say to you. And that's how... The interview started. Um, Kathy's very calm, but she's very firm. She wants to make sure that Morgan's legacy is how she lived rather than how she died. And she also wants to shine a light on toxic teenage relationships. And it's really interesting, Jay, because I did a separate piece on toxic relationships, and I actually interviewed Um, somebody at the Karen Foundation, she's the trauma services and staff psychologist at Karen Treatment Center, Dr. Ramona Roberts. And Dr. Roberts said to me, the most dangerous time for people is when they leave the relationship, because then the other half has nothing left to lose. And Kathy has learned that too. So part of what Morgan's Light Foundation is, uh, which is a foundation that they have created in Morgan's honor, is to educate people how to extricate themselves from these relationships safely, you have to get professional help. And what I found interesting, Jay, was that a lot of teens, according to Kathy, don't think that Laurel House and A Woman's Place and Women Against Abuse are for them. They feel like that's for adults. So they don't seek these resources. And they're trapped in the same level of danger as adults.
0: And you just mentioned Morgan's Light. Mm-hmm. What are some of the signs of these relationships that have gotten abusive that maybe aren't as obvious to others?
4: It's a slippery slope. It's very interesting that you asked that question because in Morgan's case, according to Kathy, it started with verbal abuse. Then it escalated to slapping where it would leave bruises. Then it escalated, according to Kathy, to biting. So when you think about it through a teenager's eyes, you think about all the drama associated with the teen years and with that slippery slope. And you think, oh, this is just the course of this relationship. It's really not.
1: What Kathy said during this interview was so striking. I always would say you are not here to be somebody's savior. You are here to be a good person, to help people, but you are not here to let people put you down, to let people abuse you verbally, physically. You are worthy of so much more than that.
4: Your responsibility, first and foremost, is to yourself and your safety. So, any relationship that makes you feel sad more than you feel happy, any relationship where anybody at any time puts a hand to you is an instant red flag. And the thing with teens is, and Kathy and I talked about this because my daughter is going to be 21 next week. And I said to Kathy, you know, as parents, we only know what we know, we only know what the kids tell us. But also our kids are like, oh, I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. And there's some things, Jay, they just can't handle on their own.
0: You brought up your daughter there. Mm -hmm. They both went to the same high school. They did. They're a year apart. And we always look at stuff from the journalist perspective. We try to separate ourselves from who we're talking to as best we possibly can. But there's a human element to this. What are some of the things that came up to you not as a reporter, but as a mother, as you're talking to Kathy McCaffrey, and what would you tell other mothers who are listening to this?
4: I sat down with Caitlin right away. Um, I've always had very candid conversations with both my children, Christian and Caitlin, about relationships and dating and life. It's always been a very open uh, book because I want them to be able to come to me with challenges. Um, My daughter was stunned with what she found out. In my reporting that was just released the other day, um, she had no idea that this was going on. She wasn't very close with Morgan. She would see her in the hallway. And it's a small enough school where everybody knows everybody else. So she wasn't in any way close. But with other mothers, I would just say, keep an eye on your kids. I asked Kathy if Morgan withdrew a little bit, because that's a classic sign. If you're going through something, um, the, the child may withdraw. But Morgan was so bubbly. Um, And so outgoing that Kathy didn't see a lot of signs during the relationship. And then Morgan only opened up after she was out of it a little bit.
0: Once you know that someone that you care about is in an abusive relationship and you've reached out to an organization like Morgan's Light or there's there's a hotline, there's websites you go to now because it's 2021. What happens next? Like what actions could an organization or an individual do to try to protect themselves? And as you mentioned – get themselves out of that situation safely. It's almost like pulling yourself out of a car accident.
4: Exactly. You have to have a plan. You have to sit down with a professional from Laurel House or a woman's place or Women Against Abuse. You have to sit down and you have to figure out not only how to protect yourself and your family for the immediate future, but the danger could last, according to Kathy McCaffrey, up to a year after you end the relationship. So you have to have a plan. And I know it's so tempting for people to say you just need to get out, but you do, but you need to get out safely. And it's really important for these teens to know, please talk to a trusted adult. Seek help. This is too big for you to handle on your own. We're here for you. I can't get you safely somewhere, but I can provide you with the name and number of a professional who can. And that's what Kathy McCaffrey's trying to do. She's saying, I want to provide you with the connections so that you can get yourself safely out.
1: We don't teach our kids how to deal with something like this. I didn't know as an adult, how to deal with something like this, but I'm hoping through Morgan's light that we will start educating our youth to know how to deal with something like this. Because statistically, it is more than likely going to happen to either them or someone that they know, love, or care about in their lifetime. And how they handle it and how they advise the person, whether it be themselves or their loved one or a friend or an associate or somebody who has confided in you with this information is really so important because you could be saving that person's life. Where do you get your strength from? From Oregon. She gives me a lot of strength. I feel her in my heart and I know this is what she wants me to do. And I know that she doesn't want someone else to suffer like she suffered. And so by telling her story, hopefully that does help somebody.
0: So how can people hear more of this conversation you had with Kathy McCaffrey?
4: Well, I'm so thrilled that Tom Rickard and his talented team put together the most incredible podcast of our conversation. The entire 26 minutes of it is available at kwwnewsradio.com. The pieces are there. We also have the names and phone numbers of every single regional abuse organization. So whether you live in South Jersey or Chester County or Philadelphia, there's a number there for you. There's a website there for you. Just seek
0: the help. That's Michelle Durham. My other half on Philadelphia's Afternoon News, joining us with just this talk about this amazing conversation she had with Kathy McCaffrey, who unfortunately lost her daughter to an abusive ex-boyfriend. He's been, you know, he's since been convicted, but it's just a terrible, terrible incident. But hopefully there is something great that could come from all of this and hopefully someone else is able to get the help they need if they're in a scenario like this.
4: That's what they're committed to. That's what I'm committed to. You know, Jay, it's an honor to be trusted to tell someone's story.
0: I'll say it's an honor for us to have you on here to talk about this. Thank you. That's Michelle Durham, my co-anchor on Philadelphia's Afternoon News here on KYW News Radio. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks, Jay. And she's come on The Rundown today, which is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcast. The show is produced by Sabrina boyd circa and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio, as you heard Michelle mention, is Tom Rickard. I'm Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at jscottsmith, Jay jaysco 2 t's s m i t h Real J. Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook, and you can hear both of us, Michelle and myself, every day on KWW News Radio for Philadelphia's Afternoon News, 2 p.m. Michelle joins us, then I jump in there at 3 o'clock to try to just simply pick up the slack for her. We, of course, can be followed on social media at The Rundown PHL. You can hear us, as always, for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, for Michelle Durham, Sabrina boyd Circa, Brian Seltzer, i J. Scott Smith, thanking you for checking out this edition of The Rundown.